Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 27th, 2019, and our president is outside of the United States, currently in Japan for the G20 summit. We have a lot of things going on domestically, democratic debates, clown shows. The evidence now coming to surface about censorship, and today I want to talk about censorship. Today... I want to talk about how we have come to this point. I also want to talk about what is going on at the G20, what meetings are being held, and what was done prior to these meetings to show favor with our country. Going through my Twitter feed this morning, I saw a lot of highlights for the Democratic debates yesterday, which were flat. This is the United States of America, and they were demonstrating how they speak Spanish. Could you imagine if the First Lady Melania Trump started speaking in all the languages that she can speak fluently? There would be outrage. Yet here they stand asking for an American's vote speaking a foreign language. Yes, indeed, English has not been determined to be the official language of the United States. Agreed. And that's because we do not want to uh, formulate standards as such. For example, what people don't seem to understand is countries that have a set language thus create rules of derivation uh, for migrants. And that's something the United States didn't want. As a linguist, I can tell you I've worked on this to be able to determine why we don't have a set language, why it's not put out. I mean, even in France, did you guys know that the European Union decided to create all their laws you know, obviously they're in French, they're in English, they're in German, in every single language. But the foundation, like for the books, they decided to go with the oldest language on the continent, which was Greek. And that was just for the books. Doesn't mean that it is the origin language. Now, English has become the mainstream global language for business, considering that the United States had propelled uh, the world into the next century through industrial revolutions, advancements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So on that note, I just want to say, yesterday watching the debates, I noticed that they really have nothing. 
uh, MSNBC is all about Elizabeth Warren, and I don't know why. She's a horse that lost coming out of the gate. She's one of those horses that trips the minute they come out. So I really don't see why they threw so much behind her. It made absolutely no sense. Then we had Cory Booker. He looked really weird and creepy. Beto, message is zero, so no bother there. I mean, no one really stood out. I mean, they were all vanilla. I'd really hate to be a Democrat to see where I would fall under. And, you know, it'll be kind of mm, interesting to see how they weed them out. The next debate is what I'm anticipating. The next one that has Kamala Harris going up against Andrew Yang. That's the one that I'm interested in. Uh, That'll be very telling. And again, Andrew Yang is very well-spoken. So, uh, you know, he's going to come out by far because a lot of the left, the people that actually vote Democrat because they hate Trump, not because they don't agree with his policies, not because they're not enjoying the tax cuts, not because they're not enjoying the booming uh, stock market where their 401ks are getting fat, not because they don't like the job market and the low unemployment and the active push to make healthcare more transparent, not because of that. It's because they hate him or there's that portion that wants all their student loans forgiven, which I would totally welcome myself. Uh, (laughs) But it's not fair. Why should I go and get an education and have a guy that's a plumber working all his life pay it for me through his taxes? He doesn't know me. He doesn't owe me. I don't see why he should do it. Even though I'd love it, he shouldn't. Now, where do we go from this insane setting that we're at right now. We have the insane Democrats that came out. They allowed Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to kind of watch and learn so they see what mistakes and responses are there. This is why they came in the second lot. And this is why they put Andrew Yang in that lot too. So it'll be very interesting to watch. I'm really excited to see it. Not so much because I'm excited for a Democratic candidate Yesterday, if anything, showed us that there's no one else better to run the country than President Trump. We need a president that is willing to kick up dirt, roll up their sleeves, and get work done. And this is all actually being demonstrated from his talks that he's having now with foreign nations heading into the G20 and things that he has been doing. Now, before um, I get into all of that, what I wanted to do was play a specific clip, hold on, where they tell us, okay, so I want to play a clip from TRT where they're introducing you to the summit, and then I want to play you a clip of a clown. This clown's name is Matthew Bryza. He was the U.S. ambassador for Azerbaijan, total clown. So I want you guys to listen to both of these segments on what they believe is the most the most important things that are going to be talked about at this G20 summit because I want to cover this before I get into censorship because censorship is the key to everything 
the methods, and all of this that's going to be discussed at the G20 summit, the Iran war, the Turkish war, because we're going to get into a little bit of a history lesson here. It'll totally make sense. So here we go. Most important economic forums in the world. But in many cases, it's on the sidelines where the real diplomacy happens. One of the most anticipated meetings will be between the presidents of Turkey and the United States. Topping the agenda, Turkey's S-400 deal with Russia. Its purchase of the missile defence system could potentially derail the NATO allies' relationship. Keep in mind that the rest of the world is reporting that this is one of the most key meetings, right? But our mainstream media, our clown media, our propaganda machines, right, for this deep state cabal fourth branch of unelected government are telling you that it's about China and the trade wars and it's about Russia, which President Trump turned around and said, what I talk about with President Putin is none of your business. Bang on. That's the way it is. So they're telling us about Russia and China totally ignoring Turkey because Turkey has nothing but a criminal record in regards to actions against people, genocide and civilizations. I'll let you listen to this commentary and then listen to what an American has to say about it. A former U.S. ambassador. Turkey must choose. Does it want to remain a critical partner of the most successful military alliance in the history of the world? Or does it want to risk the security of that partnership by making reckless decisions that undermine our alliance? Washington is threatening to block Ankara from buying F-35 fighter jets. It says having defense systems developed by rival world powers would jeopardize classified military intelligence. But so far, the added threat of U.S. sanctions hasn't changed Turkey's mind. Turkey doesn't need to negotiate with other countries on matters concerning its security needs. It especially will not accept the idea that it needs permission or needs to be obedient. President Erdogan says he'll raise the sanctions threat at his meeting with Donald Trump. Turkey has two more items it wants on the agenda here in Osaka. President Erdogan will again raise the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. And okay, so President Erdogan, three things. The S-400 issue that we're going to get into, I've been getting into. I've explained to you what's wrong with it. And right after this clip, we're going to play a clip from a former U.S. ambassador that is going against our national security, what he's stating. Now, another thing, Khashoggi, why bring up Khashoggi again? Nobody cares about Khashoggi except for you. Not an American journalist, none of anybody's you know business but yours, if it happened, because there is no evidence, we don't have body parts, we don't have video, it's all manufactured. And it was paid for by Egypt, by, by Turkey, sorry. Now, again, uh, I, I kind of stumbled because my thoughts are going forward because it was very interesting to see that it was finally reported that Egypt is going to be put on the agenda and discussed. Take a listen. And he's expected to call for an international investigation into the death of the former Egyptian president. Mohamed Morsi, evet. Mohamed Morsi flailed about on the courtroom floor for 20 minutes. The authorities did not do anything to help him there. 
This is why I say Morsi did not die, he was murdered. We have G20 ahead of us, and this issue will be one of the items on our agenda. All high-stakes issues and just two days to cover them. Melinda Nusafora, TRT World. All right. So Turkey's agenda, because Turkey is key. Everyone is looking at Turkey. Everyone wants to know what Turkey and the U.S. are going to discuss, because that is of utmost importance. And now, once I play this clip, we'll analyze that, then talk about the meetings that he's going to hold without getting into too much detail, because those are being held tomorrow and um, then we'll get into censorship and talk about something like what I tweeted this, this morning. They're talking about uh, Chief Justice Roberts siding with the left. No, duh. See, nobody is talking about that high-level meeting that Barack Hussein Obama orchestrated with all his top-level executive appointees and the intelligence community asking and petitioning to the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court to, to annul the election in lieu of all this information they had with the dossier and the last minute things that they collected with the help of Gina Haspel in London. Now, if that didn't work, what they asked him was to postpone the inauguration and he couldn't because anyone reading through the dossier could see this is paid for by you. This is manufactured Makes absolutely no sense. And like I said, just that one glance where it's like Russians were paying people through the Russian consulate in Miami. There isn't one. That's a red flag just on its own. So we'll get into that later. Now let's listen to what a former U.S. ambassador to Zhebrzhin, which is a very important nation, one would say in regards to oil trade, uh, you know, in the Middle East slash Asian area, works very closely with Turkey and Russia. And on top of that, is one of the key nations um, that is helping uh, set up the railway networks that I was talking about. Now, this clown is located in Finland, and this is where he's talking from. Take a listen to what he has to say. But sort of possible way to soften the trade war between China and the United States comes out of that. Uh, President Trump has been pursuing his typical strategy of bluster and threats to the Chinese, uh, but while also saying, well, he has a great relationship with, with the leader Xi Jinping. So this, this hardball, softball, hardball, softball uh, pattern uh, needs to play itself out now. And hopefully Trump and Xi Jinping will come up with some way now to say, we're gonna deescalate the trade war. So that's number one. But number two is of course, President Trump's meeting with President Erdogan. And you know everybody's gonna be watching to see if President Trump does what he appeared to do when he met with Berat Albayrak, the finance minister, a couple of months ago, which is suggest he might try to use some of his political clout uh, to soften the dispute between the U.S. and Turkey on the S-400s versus the F-35. Yeah, I mean, tell us more about that. Are you expecting any real resolution here? Because the strain between the U.S. and Turkey, it's, it's, it's really hitting a boiling point. Um, the purchase has been made. The Turks have bought the S-400 system. They're not pulling out. Uh, and if the chief U.S. complaint is that the S-400 in Turkey could actually compromise U.S. security somehow, why doesn't the U.S. form the commission Turkey suggested uh, to clarify and correct, you know, technical issues or vulnerabilities here? Send some U.S. engineers over. Okay, guys, did you see what they just did? They just sided with what Turkey said. 
I had broken down to you a couple of shows ago where I was talking about the S-400s in Turkey. Basically, these S-400s, here's like the, the rundown before you listen to what they say. So you can see who is batting for America and who's batting for this universal government. Turkey said, okay, well, what we'll do is these S-400 missile systems that Russia's going to give us, I know that they have an issue because they will detect F-35 as an enemy aircraft and they will shoot it down. And this is a concern. I completely agree. So what we'll do is we'll work with Russia, your engineers and our engineers, and we'll put a software patch. So that way they don't recognize F-35s as enemies, uh, as, as enemy targets. Let me tell you something. The key thing here of not having these S-400 missile systems is key. Because if you have to create a software patch, you have to share that information with Russia. In addition, software patches and all these uh, high tech, you know, updating systems automatically, like I told you about, uh, you know, the new JF um, 17s that uh, China and Pakistan are selling like hotcakes to Africa and Latin America. Uh, they get updates. Think about it this way what if the F 35 can't detect? them as enemies because of this patch. Oh, you could say, well, they'll make sure of it. No, they can't. Because a mod, think about it, a modified S-400 may indeed be safe. And it will cause issues if Russia modifies it enough for lack of detection on their end. Our intelligence will be compromised. Our communication systems will be compromised because they're all encompassed. How do they recognize them? Through communications, not size. It's not like the missile system has an eyeball and says, whoop, that's an F-35 and it's got a so-and-so flag on it. That's the problem. But listen to what a former U.S. ambassador says. Yeah, so uh, I think the answer, your question is not just rhetorical. It's, it's actually a great question. I posed myself when I was in Washington recently. So part of the answer is technical. Part of the answer is that senior NATO Air Force officials I've met with at the general level, not just from the U.S., but from the U.K., from Denmark, from, from France, um, they have all told me that they really do believe that if the F-35 is flying in a regular way, over and over again in Turkey, there'll be so many opportunities for the S-400s to study the F-35 that the F-35 stealth capabilities will be degraded. I think a commission could address that. I think the commission, though, that would make more sense is not to study the, the danger, but maybe a commission to make sure that when the F-35 is flying, uh, the, the radars of the S-400 in Turkey is, are not turned on. So How dumb is that? Let's create a commission with more people that can be bought because everybody has a price. And what we'll make sure is that when the F-35s are in the air, the, uh, the S-400 radars are off. How retarded does it sound? Completely, right? Why even risk it? At a time of war, people are going to be switching on and off things. Come on, man. This is the problem. They're working against us. And a lot of people, Erdogan himself, thinks like, well, I got this in the bag. Just take a listen to how he wraps this up. But that's a technical fix. So right. the other problem is political. Yeah, politically, too many people in Washington are mad at Turkey for too many different reasons. Uh, one is that Turkey would, from their perspective, take this unprecedented step of buying such an advanced Russian uh, air defense system. The other is that 
many in Washington have just thought that Turkish democracy is off track. So what just happened with the Istanbul mayor election actually could begin to change the political climate and the expectations in Washington, put them on a more positive trajectory vis-a-vis -vis Turkey. And if the U.S. and Turkey are working together in northern Syria under the efforts of Ambassador Jim uh-oh, he said northern Syria. We're going to get into that with a little bit of history to tell you how you can spot out clowns and how the clown agency, not the CIA, never intelligence. It is a control agency. The full purpose of its existence is to subdue and monitor and have all citizens fall in line. It's about control and this is where it rolls into the conversation of Google afterwards. Jeffries, that may also help to uh, reduce the political justifications for not forming uh, that commission we were just talking about. Okay, Matthew, you know what, on the technical issues you were talking about, those Russian systems are also active in Syria, and now we're seeing the UK fly the F-35 fighter jets over Syrian territory. Um, so if the UK is active in Syria, doesn't that kind of debunk the US argument that, oh, this will give the Russian systems an opportunity to investigate our, our aircraft if they're Oh my gosh, did you, did you hear what they said? Well, you know, Russians are already in Syria and they have the S-400 systems. And so England and, you know, is flying F-35s in Syria and they have no problem. Why? Because they're inactive. Russia hasn't activated them for the purpose that they're collaborating with the United States and other Western nations to defuse the situation of Syria, Hezbollah, and Iran. So, ergo, her argument is dumb, defunct, and you know, unwarranted. This is where they're speaking to idiots that don't understand military strategy, that don't understand what cooperation is, and that don't understand that they're just not using them at all. They're completely offline. They're not offline with a patch not to recognize. They are completely offline because patches, even in video games, guys, have you ever modded a video game or a program? If you haven't, it's kind of the same thing. There's always a glitch. How many times do you download an app and they have updates because they find bugs and they need to put fixes? This is the same exact thing. Do we want to then say, oh, there was a bug in the program. That's why it was shot down. <clears throat> this is where I'm getting at. Flying over the same territory and being used in the same territory right now. Yeah, it's a crucial point, Andrea. When I have asked similar questions, the answer I've gotten from um, Air Force generals is the difference is that uh, if the F-35 is flying in Turkey and if the S-400s are nearby and turned on, if the radars are turned on, over time, there will be so many opportunities to study the F-35, many more than the perchance encounters that will happen in Syria of the radars with the F-35, that there will just be way more information that's transferred about the F-35. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't know if that's workable, but that certainly is something that uh, Defense Minister Akar and the acting U.S. Defense Minister Esper will discuss. <laughs> Matthew. So the acting uh, Minister of Defense, Esper, for, former uh, secretary to the U.S. Army, is right and 100% right. All of them are 100% right because, like we said, they're like, yeah, well, if they're turned on and they just monitor, even there's a patch, there's intelligence that comes. Yeah, it's called learning. It's called learning an enemy's, uh, you know, uh, technology. Kind of like what we want to learn with the, uh, you know, JF-17s that China and Pakistan have that are incredible. I mean, there are some videos on YouTube from the air show in Paris this year. I, I mean, guys, 
this is incredible that we have our own people trying to convince us that we can create patches and it's okay if a system learns it's okay if they can access or uh you know intercept our communications because they know our software because there's a patch for it It it's incredible think about it these are this is a former u.s ambassador saying it mocking saying why don't we just trust turkey tell you why we don't just trust turkey because turkey isn't one that is trustworthy i'll tell you something about software So something that hasn't been widely reported is that you all know that we have Air Force One, right? And then we have a, a um, twin Air Force One that flies pretty much identical next to, behind, on top, uh, under the real Air Force One, right? So you don't know which one is which. Well, apparently it was flying with the original Air Force One, but something happened, And it had to land unexpectedly uh, in Washington State at McCord Air Force Base. Now, what happened? Because let me tell you something. This is a big deal. The fact that the mainstream media isn't reporting that the backup Air Force One, the twin, the decoy, landed in Washington State unplanned and, um, you know, was delayed because of that, is a problem. They're not talking about it. This is a huge security issue. Why would it just stop? Mm, interesting, right? So let me tell you guys, before we delve into Turkey and what's going on, um, what uh, our president's going to be doing. So tomorrow he's meeting with Japan, uh, India. India's a big deal. They have very high tariffs on us. They increase their tariffs more because they are really hurting with a booming job market in the U.S. and the demand uh, to bring people over. Then we have um, him meeting with Merkel, Putin, and then with um, Bolsonaro. Lots of scandals about Bolsonaro and Merkel leading up to the G20 summit. We'll talk about it right after this break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? 
Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. All right, so continuing on uh, in regards to the G20 Summit coming up, uh, tomorrow we have some great meetings, like I said. Uh, those meetings are uh, already laid out in times. Uh, we will be having meetings with, uh, you know, Abe, with Mondi, uh, and Merkel, Putin, and Bolsonaro. And then on Sunday, um, wait, no, that's tomorrow, Friday, sorry. And then on um, Saturday, he's meeting with um, MBS of Saudi Arabia, China, and Turkey. Wow, right? That's a power three. Now, what I wanted to say is there's a lot of scandal around Germany's Merkel coming to the G20 and uh, Bolsonaro. Uh, Some pretty interesting developments happened. But before we get into that, I want you guys to just listen to what our president had to say, meeting with Prime Prime Minister Scott Morrison of Australia, remember, Australia right now has grave issues with the United States in regards to the abuse of the Five Eyes Intelligence Network. This is all being discussed. As you see, when President Trump is speaking, uh, we have everyone sitting down and listening attentively. John Bolton is casing the room and Pompeo is smiling. Take a listen to what President Trump has to say. Really, I want to congratulate uh, the Prime Minister on a tremendous victory. He had a fantastic victory, as you know. Uh, he didn't surprise me, but he surprised a lot of other people. See, I knew him. So I said, he's going to do very well. And he did. He did. Uh, they called it an upset, but I don't call it an upset. You probably didn't. Your wife didn't call it an upset. <laughs> but I want to congratulate you very much. Uh, it's a fantastic thing you did. So that was great. A very cordial response. Uh, and, you know, he kind of, in his response, he kind of led to the point that, you know, there's stuff there. And 
it was a great win and he kind of uh, left it a little bit blasé, right? And that's on purpose. That's the way our president works. He doesn't kind of come out of the gate telling you exactly what's up. Now, I wanted to tell you all, you remember when uh, I told you about Merkel having those shakes, the same type of fits that Hillary Clinton had, the one that, you know, we vis- we saw on camera where they were taking her to the car and she was like shaking uncontrollably. Well, she suffered the same thing, uh, you know, today. Just before she's about to board the plane for the G20 summit in Osaka, she began to shake uncontrollably next to um, President uh, Walter Steinmeier, who was addressing a ceremony formally to appoint like the new justice minister. And the shaking went on and on and on. It was like a full two minutes. She had like folded her arms trying to control her shaking this time. And it finally subsided after she took one or two steps. She was offered a glass of water, turned it down. I thought she said it was dehydration. You turn down water, right? And um, the, the shaking from last Tuesday, you know, that she had, was actually blamed, like I said, on dehydration, but she turned down uh, the glass of water. So this was really weird. And um, her spokesman, Siebert, tweeted that she was on the way to the Osaka G20 summit and that she has a lot of bilateral talk set up. No one, you know, kind of talked about it, even though all reporters that were there were very concerned. It was a, you know, two minutes of pain, two minutes of shaking, two minutes of silence is a lot. I mean, I just stayed silent for two seconds and it seemed pretty long. I mean, maybe because it's radio, but imagine two full minutes of shaking that terrified the people that were watching. So this is, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of an issue. Now there was also, um, you know, they had a aircraft failure that, um, had her arrive to the G20 summit in Buenos Aires late, right? So they have, they supposedly have a second plane on standby for her. And that was actually, um, you know, delayed too. It's just a hot mess. Something's really going on with these people. And, you know, I I don't know what to make of it. On the other hand, I also wanted to tell you in Japan, there are protesters. And guess what? They're not protesting Trump. They're protesting Macron, Merkel, the EU in general. So it's pretty exciting to watch that. Obviously, the mainstream media is not going to tell you about it. But I can tell you one thing that the EU leaders that are heading in there are trying to urge the G20 to reform the W. WTO, the World Trade Organization, to preserve the rules, you know, um, that are in place because they're in, and I'm like air quoting, concerned about, uh, you know, escalations between China and the United States. So um, all of them are meeting there. The EU Council President uh, Tusk and the head of um, the EU Commission, Juncker, I hate him, by the way. And, you know, it takes a lot for me to say hate. He is despicable. If you see the way he speaks about the citizens on taxation, on, you know, crying farmers saying, but I've been doing this for a while. And he just comes out and just slashes 
it just goes to show what kind of people run the European Union. You only have to watch them and listen to how they refer to the average citizens. Anyway, uh, both uh, Tusk and uh, Juncker wrote to all 28 of the European Union's leaders saying that they're going to push in Osaka to sort out this WTO issue because it's not about the worry about China and uh, you know the United States. It's a worry that their rule systems, their foundations, the way they envisioned the World Trade Organization to be the World Commission Organization, right? Which, in other words, is the new world order is going, uh, you know, is a fract- you know, it's being cracked open and wrenches are being thrown in, not only by President Trump, who led the way with a big fat sledgehammer by winning the elections of 2016, but now other countries are jumping on board with that. So, um, specifically, uh, the letter said parts of that we're going to steer the process by recognizing that balance reformed should cover the three functions of the world trade organization, monitoring, negotiating, and dispute settlement. Not very good. So, you know, they are really trying to push this world order, uh, you know, controlling trade globally. There shouldn't be, it should be up to every single country. And even though I loathe Turkey and I'll get into why, because a lot of people forget history. A lot of people don't know history and it's not their fault. It's like, who's going to really use history, right? To get a job, unless you're a historian, a librarian, a teacher, right? For me, I like history because it helps me solve future puzzles. If I look at history, it proves, you know, the past always proves the future, right? That is how it works. So today we're going to take a step back right now and understand Turkey a little bit more so you can see how today is totally determined by the past. Uh, so the EU is pushing on this international trade, yet obviously they can't handle uh, <laughs> Turkey with what they're doing. So that'll be interesting. Now, uh, where should we begin? I believe that we should start with understanding what Turkey's um, president said. First of all, first of all, Turkey freed a U.S. consulate worker that was under arrest right before the G20 summit. He was released uh, uh, yesterday. So it would be like, um, well, yesterday... Yesterday morning, our time, the day before yesterday, nighttime there. So a Turkish court actually ruled that the U.S. consulate employee uh, who was being tried for terrorism is free uh, on the basis that he's sick. And we all know that's BS, right? It's not because he's sick. It's because he wants favor with President Trump. He wants favor. So here's the deal. Um... President Trump is meeting with Erdogan, okay, on his last day there. He's the last meeting he's having at at um, one o'clock local time. Is it is it one o'clock? I think I think it's one o'clock, or is it three o'clock? I think it's one o'clock because we've got Saudi Arabia, Putin, and then Turkey. So we've got all the crazy, um, you know, um, conversations happening on the last day, which is incredible. So uh, Erdogan is still pushing the idea, and I 
talked to you about this in May. Um, and I also talked to you about it in March when I announced to you that the president of the United States is going to the United Kingdom before anyone announced that he was going to the United Kingdom, right? I also announced to you that Turkey had reached out to Bolton's aides to negotiate uh, President Trump arriving in Turkey, which would be a big no. If anything is to happen to our president while overseas, it's going to happen in Turkey. Guarantee. But anyway, why would he go? We have tensions between us anyway with the S-400, you know, missile systems and the F-35s, not to mention what's going on in the East Med. So crazy that on Tuesday this week, our our Senate passed, you know, a bill called the East Med Act to regulate what Turkey is doing there on behalf of uh, Greece, Israel, and Cyprus. I talked about it yesterday. I mean, how fast have you seen a bill like that fly? Not really, right? And it's at the House and it's bipartisan. There were only two people that didn't vote. So it is a big deal. He's still telling his local media that, oh yeah, President Trump may be coming for a visit in July in Turkey. Probably not. I don't know why he's saying it. You know, right now, his loss of elections in uh, Constantinople, also known as Istanbul, um, is harming his strength within the nation. So he has to seem strong. And, uh, you know, he needs to show that he is in charge. And he's also putting his foot down on saying, we're not going to be told what to do. Now, Erdogan has reiterated many, many times, right? That Ankara will not back down from the Russian S-400 purchases, okay? No matter what Trump says about sanctions. Those were his words. So he said, we've already paid the United States $1.25 billion for the F-35 project. If they do make such a wrong move, we will take the International Arbitration Court because we will want them to pay us back the money we have spent so far. Now, let me tell you something. This $1.25 billion is not cash from Turkey. Actually, it was awarded to them through a loan via the World Bank. So we can fix that in a heartbeat, okay? Because Turkey is in a deficit. They are not in a uh, surplus. So that's number one, okay? This is why they're running around, bullying, exploring to extract uranium or oil within Greek and Cypriot uh, waters because they're desperate. So Erdogan also said that NATO countries should not place sanctions on NATO countries. So he's saying President Trump can't place sanctions on me because I'm also a NATO country. And if he says that he's putting sanctions on me, the other NATO nations shouldn't, you know, place sanctions or um, accept the sanctions that President Trump says. So these are big fighting words for a man like this. These are very big fighting words. So where do we go with this? Okay. Aside from the fact that our president is going to be talking to Putin right before he speaks with Turkey, which is a very big deal, right? And right before Putin, he's speaking with who? Saudi Arabia. Remember, Saudi Arabia controls all those that are in elected positions. Well, used to with their money and their gold, solid gold toilets controls everyone. They invest everywhere because they have a surplus. They have money that will actually, as a country, they don't have a surplus, but as a kingdom, they do like the kings and princes do. So we have to remember that this is how they control them with money. Okay. Saudi Arabia does. 
So it's important that we understand how corruption is born. Wealth is power. Power is influence. And influence is control. And that could be control is influence. Influence is power. And power is wealth. That is corruption. Control is key though. You have to begin with wealth and you always end with control. Power and influence are in the middle. Okay. Once you have wealth, you can have power and influence, which leads to control. If you have control, you have power and influence that leads to wealth. Kind of like a, you know, it's a palindrome. So rinse and repeat guys. Wealth, control, two points on a line. Begins with wealth, ends with control, or begins with control, ends in wealth. In the middle, power and influence go together. So Saudi Arabia, power and influence, mm, not so much. It's wealth. Who has the control? What's the other point? What's the other point? Wealth, control. In the middle, we said is power and influence. Who has the power and influence? That is what's going to be discussed, just so you know. So power and influence is something that we saw come to light in 2016. Who has the power and influence? Ah, social media. Who has the wealth again? Saudi Arabia. So if Saudi Arabia is a point on the line where power and influence, social media, needs control on the other end, if the wealth no longer funds the control, then what happens to the social media? That's food for thought for the next hour when we get into censorship. So let's talk about Turkey. Let me tell you guys about Turkey that you didn't know. So if any of you have ever seen the 300, the movie, the 300, you remember those elephants and the dudes with the nose rings that came in and they were just destroying everything, annihilating everything, right? Well, that was real. They, the Ottoman Empire stretched so far that it had territories in Saudi Arabia, Western Saudi Arabia, Yemen. Uh, it stretched out like nobody's business. Uh, it had Egypt, Eastern Anatolia, uh, you know, Mesopotamia, Kirkuk. So that's, you know, we're talking Iraq. You know, it was so far in. People have no idea. And you know what sucks is that the internet skews the information. You're going to have to go to a library to actually get historical books that have not been changed. They're not recent editions written out in the 1950s, 1960s to actually find it. Because the one thing that people forget is uh, what happened during World War One. One right before World War One, so we had three major treaties that kind of created the foundations uh, for what we see in the Middle East today and why Turkey is such. The Ottoman Empire was uh, historically known um, as the Turkish Empire, uh, which controlled most of Southeast Europe, Western Asia, and North Africa uh, between the 14th and the 20th century. Now, like I told you, Greece was a slave nation. They were slaves. They were owned by the Ottoman Empire uh, from 1421 all the way up to 1821. So these treaties came into effect 
after uh, these nations revolted due to genocide, etc. So there were three um, major treaties that were signed that are very important for us to just review lightly. So it was the Treaty of Ankara, the Treaty of Trian, uh, Trianon, Trianon uh, and uh, the um, Treaty of uh, Lausanne. So the Traité de Lausanne is a peace treaty. It was actually uh, negotiated during the Lausanne Conference. Uh, it, it was in Paris. Um, it was through the Paris Accord that they had then, sorry. And it was done in Lausanne, Switzerland. Um, this was done in the 20s. Uh, the other treaties that I'm referring to predate that. But this was one of the major official ones. You remember how there were treaties placed to create the borders of Israel, where this is the same thing. It was to settle a conflict between the Ottoman Empire and the onset, like it was why World War I kicked off. And you need to understand that the French Republic, the British Empire, the Kingdom of Italy, the Empire of Japan, and the Kingdom of Greece and Romania were all involved in this, right? Because there used to be a King of Greece, and because the King of Greece, just so you guys know, um, refused to abide by what was being dictated by the other empires, because these were empires in the early 1900s, and for some reason, people have this skewed idea that, oh, it's the country of this, oh, it's the, they were empires. They still owned other territories at that time. So they were the ones that actually attempted um, to create peace because there was a treaty prior to that, the Treaty of Sevilla, uh, which was signed by everyone except the Kingdom of Greece. And this is why the King of Greece no longer exists. The kingdom doesn't exist. Um, but either way, even though a Greece didn't sign it, it was still rejected by the Ottomans um, because they were losing a lot of territory. So the Treaty of Lausanne uh, ended this conflict and created this border. Now that treaty itself, it was actually ratified by Turkey um, right afterwards. And then two days after Turkey did it, so did Greece. And then a year later, so did um, Italy. And then in a year, um, was it a year? No, just a couple months after Italy, so did Japan. And then Britain did too after a couple months. And the actual treaty came into play a year after they initiated it. So that's when the official, you know, outlines happened. So when the Greek forces in Asia Minor actually withdrew, when they expelled the Ottoman Sultan, which is like a king in Ottoman terms, right? Mustafa, uh, Mustafa Taruk, right? Uh, the he was from Ankara and there was a Turkish national movement that rejected that they lost all their territories by the 1920 Treaty of Sevilla and they were really upset so Britain kind of tried to undermine them and influence you know the Mesopotamian and Kirkuk regions um, trying to find a way to divide the Kurdish populated areas in East Anatolia remember how I told you they wanted to create Kurdistan being Turkey parts of Syria parts of Iraq part of Iran. So that was the fault of the British government that did this because there was a Kurdistan and they annihilated it. And then there was issues um, with, you know, the Sultan of what he was doing about the Armenian community, um, you know, that had survived the genocide in 1915 and how, you know, the Kurdish people were self-determined in that sense. They were also, they also suffered a genocide. So the Treaty of Le 
Chazon uh, created in Eastern Anatolia. That's what you would call like the Middle East slash Asia Middle East part of modern day Turkey um, so that Turkey can, re, you know, remove their claim to the oil-rich Arab lands. See, people don't know that, that they owned Yemen. They own places like that. They own so many areas. It's ridiculous, and nobody knows that. Now, um, one thing people need to know is that um, the British had involved with them, themselves a lot, uh, and um, Venizelos, he was like the, the spokesperson or the foreign minister at that time for Greece, negotiations were ongoing, constant debates. It was like a hot mess. Now, the United States actually sent their own people and a high commissioner, um, and they were supporting the Turkish efforts, uh, you know, to go forward and maintain their territories. Now, uh, the treaty actually um, protected not only the Greek Orthodox minority in Turkey, because remember, the, what Turkey is today used to be Greece, Armenia, and other nations, and and Kurdistan and Iraq and Iran and Syria was never, you know, Turkey. There was no such thing. Uh, they were a movement of barbarians uh, that called the Ottomans. And this is why the Arabs don't accept them either. Now, during this treaty, they forfeited all the land and water that they're claiming today is still theirs in that treaty. OK, I just wanted to make it clear. They also relinquished their rights to um, Egypt and parts of Sudan. Uh, they uh, relinquished their rights to Mosul, you know, obviously um, Iraq. They relinquished their rights to uh, the Arabian Peninsula, uh, Cyprus, uh, Syria, I said Iraq already, right? Bulgaria, Romania, Libya, um, Yemen, like they owned all these places. So Yemen and then Asir uh, is another region where it's like... Um, it's in Saudi Arabia and Hejaz, which is in Western Saudi Arabia and the city of Medina where, you know, everybody pays pilgrimage to, to the Turkish people had taken over that because one thing the Ottomans used to do is that when they invaded nations or kingdoms and took them over and slaughtered everyone, they would take control of anything religious they owned anything churches burned down mosques maybe even burned down i mean obviously they were muslims so they kept them so all these places used to be owned by turkey you understand how they come off the way they come off up oh, it's ours you're not going to tell us what to do because we did it i think we're seeing the rise of the ottoman because key for this guys is what he said that he's going to be pushing to query about Egypt why are you asking about Egypt if Egypt isn't asking about Egypt because they own Egypt they still say they own it they said it about Cyprus they said it about the waters that the treaty already said that they forfeit and the islands they forfeit and get they're playing middleman and they've said that to us in Syria by expanding their border if you remember how I said their green zone is overly extended well this is why so Turkey is a very big deal. After the break, we're going to recap this and head into censorship, which is a huge topic of discussion. I'll see you all in just a bit.
town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper, they grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to their necks. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So just to wrap up what I was talking about um, in the first hour is everyone needs to do their homework on Turkey to find out exactly why and how they find this gusto to act in the way they do. Because from their perspective, it's warranted. From their perspective, the atrocities that they committed during uh, throughout the uh, 13th uh, to the 18th century, uh, the 20th century, sorry, um, from genocides to complete eradication of, uh, you know, nations and civilizations in Northern Africa, the Middle East, and oil-rich oil rich Arab countries, okay? Oil-rich Arab countries that they owned is warranted. But uh, Bloomberg beat me to the punch because I wanted to do it in the second hour. Uh, CNBC just picked it up. They have a clip. I want you guys to listen to new censorship that is coming up. And it's not just banning people now. It's, um, uh, you know, the average citizen journalist or journalist they don't like or the average person that speaks their mind. It's now even directed at the president. Take a listen. Because it's going to reverberate in the political halls and forums all across America. Twitter is now going to put together a framework by which it will hide certain tweets from political figures based upon an assessment of whether it meets the public interest. What they are in essence going to do is on the rare occasion when something happens where it does not appear to be in the public interest, they are going to put a notice hiding the tweet from the public unless you actively click into it. So it will still keep... Wait a minute. Did you just hear that? That if they believe that it is not in the public interest, that they will hide it. Hold on a sec. What gives Twitter the right to decide what is in the public interest when our president speaks? When our congressman, congresswoman, or senator speaks, how dare they? Or when the president of Iran speaks, or when, you know, uh, President, um, you know, Putin speaks, or Prime Minister Abe. Censorship on another level, you guys. Now, they're completely choosing to be publishers. This was breaking. I knew about it from a source that I have at Twitter from three days ago, and I was going to break it today because this was dropped. Bloomberg took the pipe uh, first. You know, I have a lot of friends that work for them. And I guess they clocked on to the same Dropbox. This is huge. This is huge. Listen to what he says. Keep the tweet up and not delete them, but give you another layer by which you have to go through to get to those tweets. Who does this apply to? It applies to any politician representing a government official running for public office, have at least 100,000 followers and also be a verified account. Who determines whether tweets should be hidden? It will be a cross-functional team at Twitter involving trust and legal, public policy, and regional teams to see if they will that up. 
and in instances where tweets violate the rules explicitly, they will be asked to take the tweet down. So an interesting layer here, it adds to that debate and conversation about whether or not social media censors certain types of accounts. This is sure to stir up all, all kinds of debate. Nonetheless, as you can see, the stock did move towards session lows. Twitter did. It has bounced off there since, Scott. But a very interesting develop on, development on Twitter with regard to political discussion on social media. Back yeah. over to you. No doubt about that. Uh, as the election season just about to get hot and heavy with the debates beginning on the Democratic side last night, tonight, et cetera. Joe, you used to own the stock. I did, and I gave up on it, uh, frustrated by it. I just don't see the visibility in terms of a strategy that's going to accelerate revenue. And to me, that's what matters most. Exactly. If you have Twitter stock, dump it. I've dumped all social media stock uh, from my portfolios when they were at their highs back in 2016. Now, think about it. They said that they will be only labeling and putting that white label of, you know, sensitive or whatever on verified accounts, over 100,000 followers, and to be a politician or running for office globally, right? They're not just saying U.S. globally. So imagine you who has 100,000 followers that is not verified, not a politician, you're going to get an insta-ban. See, they can't insta-ban the president. They can't insta-ban the vice president. They can't insta-ban Congress, Senate, or other foreign leaders, but they can insta-ban you. And they are coming for you. And this, the answer that can be provided is let's all go to Gab. Uh, you know, Parlay is great too, but Gab has more features. And obviously people are around the rhetoric. Oh, but there's so much hate speech there. So many white supremacists. Yes, there are. But free speech is messy and you're going to see everything. And, you know, you have the right to just mute or block and not see it. So why fret? It's kind of like saying, oh, if I walk down the street, there's three people that are actually white supremacists. There's three people that are actually Black Panthers that decide that they need to annihilate the, you know, white people. You know, there's XYZ racists, whatever, bigots, anything. So what do I do? I tell them they can't walk on the street with me. Is that the next step? This is a problem. So censorship is irregular warfare. It started in 2015. I was censored in 2015. I was censored because I was campaigning for our president in 2015. I was rejected by my local GOP for campaigning for President Trump in 2015, 15, and 16. You know, they didn't jump on the train to a whoop. They had no choice. And, you know, uh, he was at the RNC, at the convention, basically, the GOP convention. It was done for. So you need to understand that censorship is not something new. It's happened in the past. Okay? Happened in the past. And I'm going to kind of bring to you the way I see it, okay? And how I see it. Because censorship has a story to tell. Censorship is... um. You know what it reminds me of? Have you ever seen The Godfather Part 3? Have you ever seen it? So this is how I see the fourth unelected branch of government. And I've said this <laughs> so many times throughout my lifetime. I remember uh, that movie came out when I was a kid, right? I was still, you know, losing teeth at the time. And... Um, it was really, really interesting because 
it also included some really important things. And if we look to the, I, I urge all of you over the weekend, if you can rent or find it on Amazon Prime or anywhere, watch Godfather 3. Because it was also, um, how, how do I say, um, it's actually exactly what we're seeing with the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is Corleone. That's who they are. You know, they are guilty. They are completely guilty of ruthlessly, without any, any remorse, any remorse, even though Corleone supposedly was, was feeling guilty right at the time, wasn't he? They took power. But I want people to know that the power that they took was not done through force like Corleone did. It was done through the creation of the central agency. I hate calling them the intelligence agency. I really hate it because they're not. They are a control agency. When it was created, it was created for one reason only. To establish the fourth unelected branch of government. To create it. Because after World War II, it was necessary. Necessary because all the groundwork they did prior to World War I and post-World War I globally, there needed to be a caliphate. Like, it, it needed to have a headquarters and this was it. So, in this film, what's weird is that it shows real life events too, guys. It talked about the death of the Pope, John Paul I. It also talked about how the Vatican, right, was um, taking money from organizations that led back to guess who? The CIA. You guys have to, you know, because the papal uh, banking scam is huge. Because it'll tell you just what I've told you before. Christianity was a religion that was born of love, of um, understanding fellow man. It was kind. It was understanding to human, um, I would say, flaws. It was understanding to human flaws. It was about accepting the other with their sins. It was understanding that every man will sin because they had the primordial sin, right? And then Christianity, just like every other religion, Islam, Buddhism even, was weaponized. You know, Judaism has also been weaponized. They find that common connection people have and they weaponize it. And this was depicted when the Christian church split into two, okay? There was the Catholic church, and then there was the um, um, historical Christian or Eastern Orthodox church. So that is where we are headed um, with that concern, okay? Um, I want you guys to understand that movements such as the ones that we see with um, LGBTQ, they're all cultish um, because they they strive to find that common goal or common belief belief system that people have and they weaponize it and they exploit it. So I'm not trying to say that the Catholic church is bad. 
don't get me wrong, I'm not one to judge any other religion, even Islam, even Judaism, any religion, none. But we have to understand why this split happened, because it was at that time that kingdoms were being formed in that first century uh, and second century that they created the necessity to hold people accountable to a higher power. So they created this higher power with the creation of the Pope, with the creation of punishment and using God as fear. And, you know, that is thought, right? Because even if you thought of something sinful, you were a sinner, a bad, 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 bad sinner. So this is um, the reason that I bring this up is because every single movement we see, either that be Satanism, uh, you know, uh, you know, Scientology, uh, these uh, subscribers to these um, cultish like um, I would say organizations. It is all for one thing and it is to mandate um, a unified thought. So it brings us to the point of control. And this is something that in Godfather 3, Corleone tried really hard to do, uh, really, really hard. And how did he do this? By controlling what was going out, what was being said, who, you know, in the family was doing what and to what degree, uh, you know, uh, how he was trying. They were trying to show you a good side of Corleone, one of regret, one of, you know, sadness, one of redemption and in the the end, it was still evil. And what they're trying to do now is to pacify bad doings to justify the, you know, the, the reasons they're justifying the reasons as to why they're doing this. Uh, this is why I said this movie is important only because of that, because they are trying to justify it. So you have to think who is guarding information who is guarding? Because this was all pre-planned from decades ago. Who guards information? What is the key to this information? Who is, you know, the, the, the gatekeeper of information? Who says what kind of information we are allowed to have access to? Who guards this? Who guards this? Is it the Saudis that invest in social media? Is it, uh, you know, the president of the United States? Is it Twitter themselves? Is it Facebook themselves? Who is the one that does this? Do you really believe that there's coincidences with the things that we are seeing? From 2015 all the way up to today, information, control of information, dissemination, and who can disseminate the information, who can access the information is all coming to fruition. Pay attention. See, the one thing that people don't seem to understand is that, you know, when we see people being banned off platforms, they're not banning random people that have no effectiveness. They are banning, they are banning people that are effective. They are banning people that provoke thought. They are banning people who are provoking uh, the, um, the sheep mentality or the unified thought that a cult would bring about. The control agency had one thing to do and that is to align every man woman and child to think talk and respond the same and those that come out you know, um, you know, to inject their ideas in the program are treated like viruses, right? So they are removing them. And this is what you have to understand. We have to look at who actually has all the information, who controls the internet, who has this access, because right now it's all coming to the surface.
Google has primary access. Yes, we use DuckDuckGo, but DuckDuckGo taps into Google, Lycos, everything, Google, Google, Google. Now, there's not a lot of people that can travel into the dark net like I can and find cached pages and, you know, uh, search things from the back end because not everybody has that knowledge. So average Americans, average humans across the planet do not have access to information they are not allowed to have access to. So if they are controlling the information we have access to, they are also controlling what? The dissemination of this information, correct? So if you can't access a certain page through Google, it means that that information can no longer be disseminated on the common platform. And who is the common platform? Whatever the mainstream media says. So now you have to think who controls the mainstream media, who really controls the mainstream media, because the, the bottom line is who is telling us that they are credible? Okay, because it seems that they're all working in sync. If you saw the flow charts that Project Veritas released, it showed that they were going to be using indicators from Twitter. They're all in bed together. All of them. There is not one exception. All of these, you know, uh, social media platforms have merged with Alphabet Inc. A, B, C. But what is above A, B, C? And I'll tell you what. And you haven't heard of it. It's the Alpha Omega company and they all encompass all this. They are all working together to do what? Control access to the information. And once you control the access, you control how it disseminates. And the only thing you do is eliminate those anomalies, as one would say, that provoke thought, that provoke critical thinking. This is why they are so adamant to attack any discussion, any social discourse on any platform. 8chan now being riddled by the FBI because supposedly the, you know, attacker went on, uh, you know, Q research at one point and posted this was all part of it. Again, wealth power, influence, control, wealth and control are the two points of this line segment. And in between falls power and influence. Power and influence is done by what? By social media, by access to cyberspace, by surveillance, all done by the central agency. Who is the funder? A lot of people talk Soros, Saudi Arabia. MBS is tired of this. He is really tired of this. Obviously, he has control, but he is really tired of this. Wealth, wealth. We need to focus on the wealth portion because once you figure out where the money is, remember, follow the money, then you find out who is ultimately in control. So we've seen that it's not just Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. I mean, didn't the Donald just get raided yesterday? Pinterest, right? So what is happening. We've seen that the mainstream media cannot be trusted, right? Even the left is saying it. They're holding the Democrats accountable for the humanitarian crisis. Didn't the president call it a humanitarian crisis in January of 2018? 
He didn't even mention, you know, border crisis. He said it's a humanitarian crisis. They're, they're closing women's mouths. Remember when he was saying that and they're dragging them across the border and children. It's a humanitarian crisis. And now yesterday, all of them are calling it a humanitarian crisis because they can no longer hide it. Why? Because we are louder. And the more we insist on amplifying our voices, the more we are visible. They don't want visibility by you. They don't. You have to think, why don't they want you heard? Because you have not gotten the memo. You're not in charge. You are a subject. They control you. This is where we're at. This is why it is. But they miscalculated humans. Remember, I've said this before. When you look at the past, it proves the future. And what they have done is they've treated humans based on their artificial intelligence algorithms that unfortunately, just think, any algorithm you write, okay? Because I do this with a bunch of friends for years on predictive notions, like when will we see war? Some of us, you know, even try to say, when's the big one going to hit California? Going back with data from the past, et cetera, you know, whatever, sunspots, you name it. But humans... When you create an algorithm to predict human, uh, uh, what, what the interaction will yield or what pressure you put on the human, what it will yield, it is in the eye of the beholder. So if I believe that all humans are a hundred percent good natured, if I believe that all humans have a hundred percent ability to have critical thinking, then my algorithm will be reflecting this. Now, if I believe that all of them are evil, if I believe that only a fraction of them have critical thinking, my algorithm will give another output. So basically here, what we have is that when they conducted this experiment with the Pentagon and in 2010 and 11, they had collected enough data, the artificial intelligence algorithms to follow that they created were done with the eyes of the beholder that was creating it. And they had one type of idea of what humans are like. But the thing is, you can't predict a human response because it's so multifaceted. You know, you might, for example, and I'm going to make this simple. You have an algorithm that tells you that when a human walks down a street and it comes to a fork in the road, it will make a decision. It'll either go left or right, right? Now, what if at that point, as it gets to the end of the road, it smells an apple pie coming down from behind it? Do you think it will take a left or a right? Or will it go back to find the source of that apple pie? Now, if that apple pie seems familiar, smells like grandma's, your neighbors, your best friends, your dead wife's, anything, you're not going to take a turn left or right. You're going to go back. This is just one of many stimuli that can change the direction that a human being will take and respond when they have to make a decision. There's always another option that you never thought of. Okay. You know, the human may not want to turn around and go smell it, but sit down on the floor and cry and sob because it reminds them of their dead wife or their mother that passed away so viciously. This is the thing. So what happened here is their algorithms are trained in one way and it's had a completely an opposite, 
you know, reaction. And here's the thing, our president and our cyber soldiers that are countering this irregular warfare realized it because censorship has been at our doorstep for over a decade. Censorship has escalated so quickly because of the loss of the elections. They thought they had it all under control and it backfired because they can't detect everything. There are so many variables when it comes to humans. There's so many variables. It's not a computer. It's not ones and zeros. It's infinity in choices. You know, they might be walking down that street and they have to turn left or right, but they see a bird up in the air and they decide to go back on themselves at a Southwest direction to follow the bird, or they might sit on the floor there forever and ever, or enter a house there and, you know, marry the person that's in that house and never move forward or make that decision that you said they would make. That's what I'm trying to say. So as of December, 2017, Twitter implemented their first AI scripts to determine people and the impact and influence they had. What they tried to do was influence you by showing those that you disagreed with to have the most retweets, the most likes to influence you, to influence you and coerce you into retweeting their things and giving them more traction and expanding. It didn't work. So they modified. Then they did a huge purge. Their bots didn't work. So they took a bunch of real people with them too. That's the thing. What is a test? that they could do to understand how you operate. And that's by allowing you to see that they're controlling you so they can see how you will react. Mm -hmm. This is where it is. What people need to understand is that no matter how much influence they think they have, they don't. Because they fail to understand that human beings have have and never will be ones that will make choices they predict. I mean, the story of Adam and Eve is proof enough. They had a simple choice. Live in eternal bliss, just avoid this tree. No one ever thought, I mean, if you were in that position, to eat the apple, would you? We'll talk censorship right after this break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 
855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with My Pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. I want you guys to kind of I really urge you to watch Godfather Three. Will yours? Will you? Where they try to um, uh, personalize your effect to the Corleones that have committed so many crimes, so much atrocious behavior, and how remorse came in. And I want to do the good thing. I really do. So what I'll do is, I'll send you know hundreds of millions of dollars to the church, and God will forgive me. Well, God does not forgive, and people. Do not forgive. See, what they do is they coin you as a conspiracy theorist. But you have to understand that only about a fifth of what's really going on is at the surface. Poop floats and it's about to come to the surface. You know, it's all about it being a conspiracy theory. They called uh, the humanitarian crisis of the border for over two years. They've been saying it's a conspiracy theory. The mainstream media is compliant with this. You have to understand that they thought that they had whipped us into submission, that they had mesmerized us. And in 2017, when they realize that the Mueller investigation is doing nothing, nothing, they decided to act. And that was their Christmas present to the caliphate, to the fourth unelected branch of government, to the mafia. Now, what people need to understand is, I've talked about this, this whole control thing, didn't I? Remember the blackout, how Google was down, Instagram was down, Facebook was down, Twitter was down, so was AT&T and DirecTV. Why? Because they are linked. They're all working together. And the president fought. He fought hard for us. 
He took them to court. He did not want mergers to happen. He did not want monopolies. Remember, he said it during his campaign and he did it. And in June of 2018, a judge said, nope, mm -mm, uh -uh, no, uh, I don't see that they would do that. And yet they did. We need an Internet Bill of Rights, don't we? We need to incorporate it because communications have changed. Unfair censorship. Mm. It's actually fair to them because when they were being questioned, they scoffed. How dare you? When they, you you know what? I'd like to play the video from Project Veritas that where you can listen to her. She's the head of responsible innovation and how they want to prevent another Trump thing happening. Who died and made you God? Who died and made you the thought police? Because they own everything. Everything. Every single bit of access to information you have, they control, they manipulate, and they push. How do you fix that? How do you go back on it? You can hold them accountable as publishers, right? That's the move we're trying to make. We want to dismantle them. Listen to what she says. We are a big company, so we're going to say it. Kind of like Alyssa Milano, the loser that has tons and tons of followers. I'm a celebrity, so I'm going to say it. Clooney, I'm a celebrity, so I'm going to say it. Every single clown that believes they have power, ergo what? Influence, ergo wealth, do what? Give control. Paying attention now? Wealth, control. Think of a line segment. Picture it. Just draw a line, a straight horizontal line, and put a dot in one end and another. This is where it is. The goalposts. Wealth and control. And in the middle is power and influence. Now, Google has control. Ergo has wealth. So what do they have? power and influence. They are telling you they're in charge. They're telling you they're making decisions on your behalf and you're sitting there with your hands in your lap. And this goes out to all those leftists, those clowns that don't understand how our liberties as human beings are being attacked. Fairness is a dog whistle. It does not mean what you think that it means. And you have to apply double think in order to understand what they're really saying. And what they're really saying about fairness is that they have to manipulate their search results so that it gives them their political agenda that they want. So for example, let's pretend you're on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Look at what suggestions they have for you to follow. I mean, they do it all the time. They throw Barack's name in my face, CNN in my face. Go to search, search something. First things first, their people will come up. And not only that, forget about just the political discourse and the thought police. Think about all those companies they own that are sister companies that they promote first. Say you're like, for example, this morning I was looking to see for school supplies for my youngest daughter. And I'm like, let me get her a really cool binder. You know, she's going into the eighth grade, you know, something really cool. So I actually went to Google and searched really cool teen binder and their partners came up first only. <laughs> 
The whole page was their partners, companies that they own or have interest in. Whereas at DuckDuckGo, I found a lot of Google partners, but I did find some other ones. And so they have to rebias their algorithms so that they can uh, they can get their agenda across. Then there are teams uh, which are called ML fairness. ML fairness, the teams. Fairness, like, yeah. you know, you need to be fair. Yeah. So they are trying to modify the model such that even if the data for female CEOs is it's low, not, yeah, it's low. It's kind of balances out. It still balances out. Now this is a, a confidential document, correct? It says, in some cases, it may be appropriate to take no action if the system accurately affects current reality, while in other cases, it may be desirable to consider how we might help society reach a more fair and equitable state via product intervention. What do they mean? Did you hear that? Did you guys hear that? That's crazy, right? So the document says, in some cases, it may be appropriate to take no action if the sim if the system is ac- accurately affecting current reality. I said it on January 1st on my New Year's Eve show, and I'll say it again. Artificial intelligence is the weapon they're using against us. Communications have evolved, and the only way that they can target us is to change our thought processes, our actual realities. So here's where they're saying that they need to help society reach a more fair and equitable state via either product intervention or whatever via product intervention again what is more acceptable what people should have and shouldn't have that's incredible what they want to do is they want to act as gatekeepers between the user and the content that they're trying to access and so they're going to come in they're going to filter the content and they're going to say actually we don't want to give the user access to that information because it's going to create an outcome that's undesirable to us Okay, so here's where I wanted to interject. So you guys know that I have a site called um, torysays.com, right? And I put a lot of information on there, but I haven't been publishing lately. Here's why. Their algorithm targets the top 100,000 websites in the nation that are being accessed. So I only publish sporadically because if I get a spike, because my website, believe it or not, with only a couple months in there, and I guess it's because people seek information, right? They need information. So what I did was when my site hit to be 60,000 most accessed in the nation and 199,000, actually 99,000 it went to at an ultimate high, being one of the top 99,000th website in the world, I decided to have to stop publishing so often because then I'm flagged and then the AI system will spam me. This is why at some point I wasn't even able to send emails. I wasn't able to retrieve emails because they blacklisted my website. Okay. So this is how they work. So unfortunately, they can't take down sites like Big League Politics. They can't take sites down like Breitbart or Gateway Pundit without um, causing a huge fuss because they've been around longer before these AI 
uh, systems were in place. So instead, they're the exceptions. They're allowing it to show that they're being fair. Yet Laura Loomer's site, every time she keeps publishing, guess what? She gets spammed. How many of you subscribe to her newsletter? Guarantee you it's in your spam folder, her emails. Same thing goes for InfoWars. Same thing goes for Milo. And you know what's really weird, guys? Is like, look at the people that they banned from the global community, global community, because our community now, 80% of it is online. They banned them. Why? Because they provoke thought. They provoke conversation. What we have to do is stay together, be organized, and in unity will we be strong. We have to fight censorship. We can't just sit there and forget about these people and say, well, they were fringe because then you're agreeing with them. We are always in control. We are in control. People are in control. Humans are in control. Not artificial intelligence. Not the central agency, right? The control agency that has now relinquished every single facet of their agenda to this mega company. We've always had the power. Do you know what? We've just been so desensitized. We forgot how to play the game. If we stick together, if we bind together, if you see an account that has 40 followers that you followed or are aware of that was banned, how many of us are out there on Twitter? Why aren't we all just spamming Twitter with that profile, that single person that has been online promoting, uh, you know, freedom, promoting liberty? Why aren't we standing up for them? Because we forget just how powerful we are. We forget that we are in control. That is the thing. So we have a lot of class action lawsuits. When is it actually going to be something that is effective, you guys? When is it? That it's going to be effective when we can determine who wrote that first censorship algorithm. That is the key. Who piloted that censorship algorithm? Who instructed them to create that censorship algorithm? I'll tell you who did. <laughs> Remember when I talked about Snowden? Remember how he was tasked to take one of the most secret algorithms we have to um, obfuscate information that was being on the 72 hour up, upstream a hold of the NSA. Do you remember that? Okay. That is key. So who instructed him to do it? Yep. Barack Hussein Obama. What happened? Why did he do this? How did he do this? Where was he before he joined the clown agency? What happened? What happened in the media? What changed? That's what you have to think of. What actually changed the way the media responds? You know, Cernovich tweeted out, and I like Mike Cernovich. I know he doesn't say things that I align with all the time, but I absolutely adore his mind. He said, oh, wow, look, Notre Dame burned down. Uh, still don't know the cause. And I responded, you're waiting for Notre Dame right now? That's kind of soon. We're still waiting on Las Vegas. That's what changed. That's where Laura Loomer was targeted. That's where Matt Couch was targeted. That's where everybody and their mother who had a voice and provoked was targeted. Do you guys remember Laura Loomer at the, um, at the press conference? She had them change the timeline of the events on the spot because she had evidence. This 
this is where the turning point was. And the deployment happened in December of 2017, right after the Las Vegas shootings. People need to be paying attention. And it wasn't only activated through the mainstream media. It wasn't only activated through the federal channels of the clown agency. It was activated on city and state levels to eradicate anyone that lifts their heads. There was this comic that I saw going around Twitter. I'll try to find it and tweet it out years ago where it showed heads in the ground, you know, kind of sprouting up as if they're grass and some guy with a lawnmower chopping off the heads that pop up out of the ground. That is exactly what is happening. That is how they control you. So you have to ask yourself who started this algorithm, who pushed it. If we all go back, think, 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 think. If we all go back to WikiLeaks, think of Vault 7. Have you read that? Have you ever looked into those files? Those are the files that told us how the clown agency can create tags and stickers, I would say, because I call them stickers when you change the code, you kind of like stick it on to make it look like it's coming from another country. This is where we base the whole CrowdStrike BS report that Russians, you know, image the, um, uh, you know, DNC server and got the Podesta emails, et cetera, et cetera. This is where it comes into play, guys. Pay attention. Vault 7. So what you have to understand is the fiddler on the roof, basically, you guys. It's one certain way that the IC community is supposed to execute, and that is infiltrate, centralize, secure, expose to harm. That is how it goes. It's in our face, you guys. You have to look. You have to look at how this all came out. You have to see why President Trump and President Putin are talking. Who went to Russia? Who has the goods? You got to think back. Go six years back in time, guys. Think, 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 think. Go six years back in time. Think about what was being discussed in Congress. Remember how Clapper and Brennan, right, were monitoring their own whistleblowers. Do you remember that? How if there was a whistleblower, they would chop their heads off. It's supposed to be anonymous. They're supposed to report against their own people. Mutiny within the clown agency, mutiny within the FBI. That is the executorial arm of the clown agency. What? That's not happening on their watch. They followed everything. So what you have to think about is who do you trust? I've said this many, many times before. I'm not telling you to trust me. I'm telling you to trust you and listen. The leaders are telling us exactly what they're doing. The leaders are expressing their frustration through the words that they so carefully choose, but they are messages. If you listen to them, you can't trust the mainstream media. You saw that. Facebook, I was suspended for putting up a parody article. You know why? Because it gained traction. Google, nobody uses Google anymore. YouTube, come on. They only push what, they're, what, what they consider fair and correct because now they make decisions for us. Who used to make decisions for us? Who was the one that would infiltrate presidencies and whip them into submission? That's right. The clown agency who executed presidents that didn't fall in line. The clown agency, right? That is what you have to think. Narratives, 
Who's pushing them? Censorship. So they push this narrative and then they censor you. This is it. People are wearing blinders. You need to understand your thoughts do not have goalposts and they are trying to set them for you. What they want to do is divide each and every one of us and they're really smart because you have to think back. Look at all these conservatives. Some of them even retweeted by our president because he knows he's like, whatever. I know they know I know, but they're thinking that I don't know that I know. And I've mentioned a lot of these commentators. How many of them were cheering for Milo Yiannopoulos being banned when Milo Yiannopoulos was one of the first people that triggered questions, that provoked thought not only in the United States, but globally because he was such a random asset, white, Jewish, married to a black man, gay, and totally conservative and unapologetic. Human beings are not, according to them, allowed to act like this. They should be politically correct. They should not be provoking thought. They should not be questioning the media. They should not be questioning the clown agency or their politicians. So he's gone. Look at those that applauded it. Alex Jones. Yeah, he's aggressive. He's out there. You know, he touches that fringe because you know, they love it. When your thought elevates to the moon, that's where you wear a, you know, tinfoil hat. So sometimes we just got to bring it, bring it back down to earth, right? Just to make the normies understand it. So remember that the only thing they want to do is split you apart. That's all split you apart because if they can split you apart, then you are weak because like I've said, you've forgotten how to play the game of control. You are in control. It's kind of like if you're on a basketball team, the minute you believe that the other team is better than you, you've lost 80% of the game, no matter how good you try to play, you need to bind together. If you're not working together because so-and-so player messed around with your girlfriend and there's hostility, you're not going to play. We need to be together. We need to advocate. You know what we all need to do is push for an internet bill of rights. That is what we need to do. All right. We've got lawsuits going, but what's that going to do? Hold them accountable for publishing. That's what it's going to do. We need an internet bill of rights, period. We need that incorporated as part of a communication. Here's the thing. If people do not understand just how big this is, how they're controlling our communications, how election fraud is real, we will lose and it'll be your fault. So we are winning at this moment. We are winning and they are stupid because we've already won the war Okay, we've already won the war with the election of this president. We've already won the war. So why are we letting them fight to win? They are fighting tooth and nail. They are fighting hard. And that's why they've lost. Because they're fighting to win the war. We have already won. So what you need to um, focus on is campaign contributions to these uh, social media companies. I've talked about that before, because then you will understand just how the DC swamp works. I stated that when I was talking about Rex Tillerson before anyone thought he was going to get fired. I said it, I said it 
And here is where it's coming down to it. You have to see they're redefining everything. You can't even define narrative anymore. You can't define censorship. You can't define fascism. Narrative is now fair. Censorship is now fair. And fascism, the suppression of their opposition, is also fair. They are trying to superimpose their ideologies and their views and their values on you. It is a plan. It's psychological projecting, guys. It's so easy to do. And you know what? Narcissists do that. And who are the narcissists here? The mainstream media, those that believe that they're in control because they have the right to be authoritative and define what we are allowed to have access to, say, and respond to. This is censorship. This is what they're doing. This is how they go. And the more we allow them to do so, the more we give them slack on the rope. We don't need to get, give them slack. The noose is around their neck already. What we need to do is shorten it and pull. And the only way we do that is by staying together. The only way we do that is by supporting those that are eliminated, reminding the world that they still exist, reminding Gavin, Alex Jones, Milo, and Laura won the 2016 elections. They are the ones that provoke thought, regardless if you agree with it or not. Many of you sat there and thought about it. You were thinking about it. You were questioning it. And the thing is, they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to think that. They want you to think that anyone that goes against the, the mainstream narrative is insane. Anyone that points out child abuse, child sexual abuse, the elites and what they do. <clears throat> I want to remind everyone, you know, a conspiracy theory is something that people get together and conspire to do something. Well, a conspiracy theory was coined by who? Nonetheless, in the 40s, by the clown agency. This is how you shut people up. Conspiracy, really? Disinformation is what we have. Disinformation, and you know what? I'm going to tell you something that's really crazy, right? But I want to drop it right now so that I can say I did because it's going to be coming up in the next two weeks. Mueller coming to testify is going to backfire so hard because Mueller changed his hat. They say, they say. Now, he's like Corleone. He wants to do as much good as he can, but he can only do so much. And the same thing goes to Barr. On that note, guys, since my hour is up again, I just wanted you guys to know that censorship is has been on our doorstep it's escalating higher now we're exposing it and from where it's one-fifth we're getting two-fifths and the attack is coming back so eyes on g20 summit this weekend eyes on what's happening tomorrow eyes on the democrats to see who is going to be resigning soon and don't forget to watch the democratic debates hate to say it but we're going to see Yang outperform for sure. On that note, I want to wish everyone a great evening, a fabulous day. I will see you all here tomorrow again, same time, same place, 12 to 2 Eastern time on Red State Talk Radio. God bless from all of us here at Red State.